Hi, I'm Michael G. Williams, and welcome to Social Distancing Radio. I'm a novelist, and a reader and friend of mine asked if I would record myself reading one of my novels as something they would find comforting and familiar in the midst of the uncertainty and anxiety of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'll be reading to you from Perishables, the first book in my five-book urban fantasy and vampire series, The Withrow Chronicles, published by Falstaff Books, aka FalstaffBooks.com. If you'd like to pick up a copy for yourself, head over to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y, slash Perishables link. That goes to Amazon. Thanks. Hi, this is Michael. I'm going to dive right into the fifth installment of me reading Perishables to you. Part one, The Vampire, installment five. I gave Smiles the command to heal, as anxious as he was to go after the other two walkers, and I gave the fear and revulsion I felt for these things a few seconds to subside. Deep breaths are calming, even when your lungs are just for show. I let their aimless, stumbling presence in the streets settle into my view. I did my best to calm myself, and then I opened up my senses again and let them wash out over the neighborhood. Televisions and radios were still playing in other houses. Either the neighborhood didn't know about these things yet, or it was too late for those folks. They weren't my primary concern anyway. I wanted to know if there were more of them. I could hear the two nearby, of course, and I could hear Smile's accelerated breath, and I could hear voices inside Franklin and Mary Lou's house. It sounded like they were still doing some arguing in there. Underneath it all, I could still hear scuffling feet farther away. Old dress shoes dragged across asphalt in all directions. The neighborhood was full of these things. I'd have guessed a dozen or more. <clears throat> and I needed to decide now whether to deal with them myself or wait for help to arrive. My reverie was broken when I heard glass shatter around the back of the house. And the two walkers in the street stopped and turned in that direction. Two seconds later, screams erupted from inside, and I sicked Smiles on one of the walkers while I ran down another. With a single punch, I popped the head and neck off of mine, and Smiles had taken the other one out at the knees. Here, I commanded, and Smiles let go of it to come bounding after me. All three and a half bucks of me were moving fast as I could make them go, and in a flash, I'd kicked the front door in with one foot and was stepping inside with the other. Smiles shot past and dug his claws into the hardwoods to stop a few feet in front of me, eyes forward. I glanced around to see what the hell was happening. Kathy and Herb were in each other's arms in the middle of the living room, and Mary Lou and Franklin and the new kid, Jeremy, were pressed against the stairs, cowering. A walker was standing in the dining room, its feet hung in those gauzy drapes on the French doors. What was left of Killer, I am not terribly sad to say, was clutched in one hand, and the walker was reaching forward with the other, fingers twitching, clawing at the air to try to feel pull free of those drapes. Everyone was screaming all at once. I grimaced and slammed the door shut behind me. Stay, I bellowed, a smile shook his flanks about to lunge. I strode forward, shoved Kathy and Herb down behind the coffee table, walked around the couch into the dining room, and stepped at, and stopped at the other end of the table from the walker. Its eyes fell on me, and it snarled. You ever watch two dogs that were playing all of a sudden get into a real fight? They're just having a normal time, and then one growls the wrong way, and the other answers instinctively. 
I bent a little at the knees, clenched my fists, and did something I should never have done in front of another living being. My lips curled out of the way so that my fangs could drop down, and I growled, long and low, and every light flickered for a moment, and every shadow got just a little darker. All the screaming stopped like a switch, and smiles started barking as I leapt, knowing the walker would just try to run if I got closer, knocking the table to one side and going straight for that one outstretched arm. I grabbed it near the elbow in both hands, the walker emitting something like a strangled scream. With one long, arced motion, I had wrenched it free of the drapes, gotten it airborne, and brought it back down over one knee with an unmistakable splintering sound. On the rebound, I caught its neck in my hands, planted my shoe against its spine, and tugged hard until I heard that pop I'd heard outside. I hefted the back, the head back through the broken glass of the door and threw the body after it. I turned back around and everyone was staring at me. You're going to want to feel these windows, I said. Everyone was silent and pale, even Jeremy, whose skin had gone from creamed coffee to a sick beige, and I checked myself. I was lisping. My fangs were still out. The next 20 minutes were filled with busy silence, except for my voice. I'd withdrawn my fangs the moment I'd realized I was still showing them, and then started barking orders. People who were already in the early stages of shock just wanted to be told what to do, and I took full advantage of that. Kathy and Herb got the food off the table and then lifted it up into place in front of the broken back door. Franklin and Mary Lou told me their kids were out of town for a school trip and wouldn't be back for two more days. I then put them on door-fixing duty. When I kicked it open, I'd blown the deadbolt out across the room, so I had them digging a little bathroom throw bolt out of a cabinet and affixing it to the front door for all the good it would do. Jeremy, the new kid, was useless. He'd seen too much in too short a time. Between hitting a couple of them with his car and all this jazz in the house, he'd gone catatonic. I didn't hassle him, didn't even try to give him a job to keep him occupied. Instead, I stood in the middle of the living room where I could keep an eye on my newish soldiers and flipped my cell phone open. Vampires are, as a rule, fairly solitary creatures. Still, like in any subgroup, there is a culture of sorts. We don't totally get in each other's business, but we don't do a lot of socializing. But a hierarchy always asserts itself in any given place when there's more than one of us. Here, I'm at the top of that hierarchy. I make the rules, and I enforce the rules. As the local boss, I have to have a couple of lieutenants, biters who can help me keep a sense of what's going on around town. Seth is the best of these, a taciturn punk who's never shown much interest in discussing his life story. He keeps his nose clean and tells me when there's trouble, like if someone's come around from other parts and didn't keep their business tidy, that sort of thing, and that's really the best I can hope for from any of us. The most valuable thing one vampire can offer another is to leave them the hell alone and not make any trouble. Seth's the bartender at a club downtown. The owner's a lush, too drunk to notice the Seth's looked 25 for the last 15 years. They have a deal worked out about Seth sending a friend, some kid he pays on the side, to take care of receiving deliveries during the day. The lush doesn't care who signs for the packages, and Seth makes sure the place's inventory doesn't go missing, and everybody's nice and happy. I dialed Seth, knowing he'd be serving the, the tail end of the office drunks and getting ready for the start of the college kid rush. His phone rang twice, and then he snapped it open. I could use a hand if you're bored, he said, voice low. You work? Along with a few customers, yeah. Uh, take it, you're boxed in. Don't tell me this shit's happening all the way up in the suburbs, Seth said. We were both silent for a few seconds. If it was happening here, and it was happening downtown, it was everywhere. 
I've got my hands full too, I whispered into the phone. I can't come lend a hand. I was hoping you would do that for me, actually. Are you safe? I paused. What answer did the second-in-command want to hear? Eh, I replied. How are the cops? We saw a bunch. Lots of sirens and speeding earlier. Haven't seen anything in a while. The scanner's pretty quiet. It'll take them a while to get here, I take it. Probably. I sighed and then said, keep safe. Yeah. We hung up at the same time. I watched over the others as they worked. It took them a while to dig up that lock and manage to get it on the door. They fumbled with it, swore at it, wiped rivulets of sweat from their brow as they did so. Kathy and Herb, meanwhile, were moving more furniture into place to barricade the French doors in the dining room. It wasn't perfect, but nothing ever is. This was the best we could do. After that, I gave a few quiet but equally stern orders for them to get, up, get the food up, check what was still edible, then put it away in the fridge and the freezer. The power was on, and we didn't have any idea how long they would be trapped here, so I wanted to maximize the use of what resources they had. I went through the pantry and did a quick inventory check. Typical suburbanite fare. Lots of prepared foods and almost nothing raw or that really required heat to be eaten. If they had a can opener, and they did, they could live for weeks on the stores of their massive walk-in. I was a little jealous and a little disgusted all at the same time. My ultra-frugal mother would have died if she'd lived to see it. And finally, after 45 minutes or maybe an hour, when it was getting on towards 11 and there wasn't a whole lot I could think of to make them do, they sat down wearily in the living room and broke into obvious couples and just held each other in silence. I'm going to step out front for a smoke, I said, my voice quiet. You slide this new lock behind me and only let me and Smiles back in, all right? Franklin nodded absently, so I walked out with smiles on my side and dug a bent cigarette out of my pocket and lit it. Little bolt locked clack behind me, and I let out the first drag in a long, slow stream through my nose. So far, so good. But I knew as sure as anything that sooner or later, and probably sooner, one of them was going to ask the obvious question. What the fuck am I? Of course, the sooner the cops got here, the better. Then I could just leave and blame any questions on the obvious craziness of the whole night. You must have been seeing things is something I have said on more than one occasion, and it has worked. Sometimes I've had to, little put, had to put a little oomph behind it, a little hoodoo, but it doesn't exactly work like that on crowds. I'd never been in a situation like this before, up close and personal with a bunch of my neighbors in a stressful situation in which I am the only one capable of really defending myself. They are fucked, I thought. I got through one smoke and then lit another. What? It's not like I'm going to die of cancer, is it? As I worked on the second, Smiles was sitting alert by my side, sniffing the air, and I closed my eyes to let my ears go walking. I could hear more walkers in the distance, more than I'd heard before. I wondered where they were coming from, what had made them. This is the South, and we have graveyards everywhere. There were probably thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, of potential walkers within a hundred miles of Raleigh. How long would this last? What was tomorrow night going to be like? These are the sorts of things I was thinking to myself, and finally I finished my second butt and let my mind come back to the here and now. Well, I thought, no time like the present to make a better world. With that, I set off up the front path. I'll be back in a few, I called over my shoulder, loud, so they'd hear me inside. No point being subtle given what I was about to do. I was going to clean up the neighborhood. Thanks for listening. 
This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. The theme music is Plucked Contemporary Boom by Kara Square, available under a Creative Commons Attribution License at ccmixter.org. Thank you.